actually no greater joy to me than to preach God's word to you. It's a delight to be here with you all. And I know you're in the rhythm of gathering every Sunday to see what God has to say to us. And it's a great, great privilege, privilege that I get to be the mediator and the messenger and the ambassador this morning. So thank you for welcoming me and my wife, Lynn, who's in that side of the auditorium this morning. We're greatly delighted to be here. My dad, he was in school for something like 18 years, and he spent tens of thousands of dollars. And you, if you ask a high schooler if they're excited to graduate, they'll most often say, yes, I'm excited to get on with my life. And so you have to ask the question, what in the world compels a person to be in school for 18 years, to spend tens of thousands of dollars, to take classes like calculus, differential equations, learn terms like aerodynamic drag. And you have to know, the reason I know these terms is because I grew up hearing these terms at the dinner table. But what compels a person to do something like this? In my dad's case, it's because he desired so greatly education. I mean, he, he's a mechanical engineer, and there's something fascinating about the way the world works and the way that all of the, I mean, you, you see a bridge, and there are so many equations that go into the building of a bridge or the building of a car. And he, he loves to learn, and he also loves to teach. He's a professor at a university in southwest Ohio. And he loves to give back in that way. But what compels him is this love for education and the desire to know how the world works. But you have to ask also, what compels an NFL team to win the Super Bowl and win the trophy? You know, these NFL teams, as they're going into their final championships, they've worked so hard for this. They've sacrificed relationships. They've sacrificed time. They have to eat a very particular diet and they have to lift weights that I wouldn't dream of wanting to lift. But what compels somebody to do this? They sacrifice so much to get a particular trophy. I mean, in their case, it's a desire for fame, honor, glory, or maybe they love the game of football. I mean, who knows? You'd have to ask the individual players the question. But what, what these two examples articulate is that when we want something badly enough, we go and get it. We'll strive and we'll jump over hurdles to go get that particular thing. Well, this passage that we'll be studying this morning, the Lord, through Solomon, he puts something on the table that he says, I think you guys should want this. If you want anything in life, desire this. Get this. Guard this. It's a treasure that will never disappoint you. And you have to wonder, what is that thing? And maybe if you've been reading ahead or maybe looking in your bulletin there, then you already know the answer. So the spoiler alert but that thing is wisdom. And this morning, we're going to be discussing wisdom and the blessed gift of wisdom. But before we dive in, please bow your heads with me and we'll pray and ask for God's help. Our Heavenly Father, we do desperately need your help. I need your help to speak in a way that honors Christ, that's faithful to your word, and that brings us in just a one step closer in our relationship with you. And Father, we all need your help to listen to your word. We have so many voices in our heads from the news and from the world around us, and we desperately need your help to listen this morning. So, Father, we pray that you would, you would make, open up our eyes and give us ears to hear this morning, and we pray all these things in Christ's name. If you're not already there, please turn in your scriptures, your copy of the Word, to Proverbs 3. We'll be in Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 26 today. 
And what we'll see is this. This, If you're writing something down, this is a good thing to write down. Get and guard wisdom. Get and guard wisdom and you will be blessed. Get and guard wisdom and you will be blessed. If I were going to summarize these verses this morning, that's how I would summarize it. Get and guard wisdom and you will be blessed. And we'll look at this passage in, in three parts just to give us some, some ways to compartmentalize this in our minds. We'll look at it in three parts today. And as we go through the parts, that's when I'll read this text of Scripture and then I'll also provide a helpful header for that particular part to help us organize it in our minds. But get and guard wisdom and you will be blessed. So our first part this morning is verses 13 through 18, which is where we see wisdom is the wonderful blessing. Wisdom is the wonderful blessing. So look with me at verses 13 through 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. In all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Wisdom is the wonderful blessing. As we look just at the beginning of this part, this, these ver- verses, we see the word blessed. And if you're familiar with the scriptures and you're familiar with that word, that word comes up every so often. And maybe one that you memorized in Awanas like I did, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, sits not in the seat of scoffer, nor stands in the way of sinner. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his, light, his law day and night. If you're familiar with the scriptures, this word blessed comes up at really specific times. And what does it mean? To summarize it, the word blessed in, in the scriptures means the good life. You're living the good life. I mean, in America, we have what we call the American dream. And people see that and they say, if you are there, you've made it. Well, if the scripture says blessed, if you're called blessed according to the scriptures, that means you've made it according to the Lord. And he says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. But then as we're also looking at this first verse, uh, we see something that's pretty common in uh, poetry in the scriptures. So you'll see this in the Psalms and the Proverbs, and it's a rhetorical device. It's called poetic parallelism. And just to explain this really quickly, because we'll see it throughout our passage, poetic parallelism is when the author says, says an idea one way, and then he says the same idea or a contrasting idea in a, in a different way, but what it does is it gives us a comprehensive picture. And so what we'll see throughout this passage is that Solomon will say, he'll say something one way, and then he'll say it just a, just a little bit different, but what he's doing is he's trying to paint a fuller picture so we can really understand the beauty of wisdom. So he's beautifying it in that way. But as you look at verse 13, I'm going to point out, look at the verbs he says. He says, the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. So first, the verbs, as we're looking at these parallel parts, the one who finds wisdom and gets understanding. This is communicating that it's going to take effort. 
This is not something that you're walking along the side of the road. Actually, just this morning, I saw a quarter on the ground before I got in my car. I picked it up. I was like, oh, great, a free quarter. Wisdom is not like that. You will not be walking on the road and see wisdom and say, oh, I think I'm going to take wisdom. What we see in these passages, the one who finds, you know what that implies? It implies that you searched for it. The one who gets, you know what that implies? It means you tried to get it. So what we know right off the bat is that this is going to take effort. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. So as we're looking at these parallel parts again, notice the two objects, wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. I'm going to go into this a little bit later, how we understand all of these these objects, because we'll see actually a little bit more as we go on. But just notice for right now, and you can put it in your back pocket, we see these two objects, wisdom and understanding. And then the beginning of verse 14, he says, for. So he says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And now we're saying, what's so good about wisdom? And he's about to tell us. Why is the one who finds wisdom blessed? Well, first, in verse 14, she's valuable. He says, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She's valuable. And now perhaps some of you don't value gold and silver as much as it was when Solomon was writing this, but something that's comparable, I mean, when we think of things that are valuable, in some ways value is ascribed, but I just did a quick search to see the things that were valuable in our world today. And I came up with this, just three examples. Uh, Jeff Bezos, one of his homes in Beverly Hills, one of them, I said one of them, mind you, is worth one, uh, $165 million. It's quite valuable, wouldn't you say? Well, there's a, another home that's a 27-story home in Mumbai, India, that's worth $2 billion. Remember, we're talking about value and trying to put gold and silver in our language today. Then the recently a yacht called the History Supreme Yacht sold for $4.5 billion. Now, it's kind of hard. At some point, when we hear millions and billions, we just we, we don't really wrap our minds around it because it's just this number with a lot of zeros at the end of it. So to try to put it in context, I came up with if, 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 there's a big if, if we were making, we making $250,000 a year and we were able to live on $50,000 of that and then we were able to save the rest. So, I mean, these numbers are rough, but we're saving $200,000 a year. It would take us, drum roll please, 825,000 years to save up for Jeff Bezos' house. It would take us, again, we're getting into the millions, but 10 million years, saving $200,000 a year, which is a lot of money, 10 million years to save up for this 27-story house in India, and uh, 22 million, and five, excuse me, 22, yeah, 22 million years to save up for this yacht. And now again, these numbers are astronomical. But what, we're, what, what Solomon is trying to do and what I'm trying to do is show that wisdom is valuable. Wisdom is valuable. Oh, and you know, I also, this is also pretty interesting as we're talking about the value of wisdom in the USA. We have the, there's a sports car that's worth $550,000. It's pretty valuable. And then the newest Tesla models, $100,000. But again, all of these things are just valuable. But wisdom is what Solomon says. Wisdom is valuable. 
more precious than these things, more precious than these million-dollar homes, these billion-dollar yachts. It's more precious. Can you believe that? Do you believe that? Wisdom is more precious, more valuable, excuse me, because we're about to get into verse 15 now. Look at verse 15 with me, because he says, she is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you desire can compare with her. So I was trying to come up with some examples of what, what's precious to you, what's precious to me. And I thought of heirlooms or antiques. Antiques are precious to people. And there are, again, some of these numbers are astronomical, but there are some, the, like an emerald and diamond tiara that Napoleon III's wife wore, went for some millions and millions of dollars. Or a Leonardo da Vinci's codex went for another million dollars. And these are things that are precious to people. They're obviously precious because they're willing to spend that much money on these things. But as you just evaluate your own life, I imagine that you have, you have items that your great-great-grandparents gave you and have been passed down over the years. These things are precious. Or like my wife has a, a jewelry box that's from her mom's grandmother. These things are precious because they mean something to our family. And what Solomon is saying that is that wisdom is more precious than these things. Wisdom is more precious than jewels. And then he just cuts right to the chase. Did you see what he said at the end of verse 15? And nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing. I mean, if you, if you took, if you made a list of all the things that you want to accomplish in 2023 or the things that you want to acquire in the next year, the things that your, heart's desire, your heart desires the most. Solomon is saying, nothing compares. Nothing compares to the desirability of wisdom. So he, Solomon has told us that wisdom is valuable. He's told us that wisdom is precious. But then he keeps on going in this list of why the person who finds wisdom is blessed in verse 16. He says that she brings good gifts. The gifts that she brings are good. So verse 16, long life. This is somebody who's living to be 120 and has all the vitality of strength and energy at 120 is in her right hand. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Riches. This is a bank account that you never have to worry about or a 401k that you never need to worry about because it has all the zeros at the end of the number. Honor. This is people who, who say your name with reverence. In your community, people honor your name. They look up to you. They want to be like you. They make statues that look like you with a, with a plaque at the bottom that says what, you have, what you've accomplished in life. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. So the gifts that wisdom brings to you, they are good. And then Solomon keeps on going in verse 17. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. All her paths are peace. Who doesn't want pleasantness and peace? I just imagine a, a, like a, a warm summer evening as the sun is setting, and you're sitting on the porch with... Uh, your favorite tea or just a, ice, a cold glass of water and your kids or your grandkids or your best friends are over with you and no mosquitoes. It's just pleasantness and peace, a cool breeze. 
You have no conflict with anybody in your life. All your relationships are good. Pleasantness and peace is with wisdom. It's like, wow, it just makes you want to take a deep breath and hope that this cold weather goes more quickly than it probably will. But pleasantness and peace are with wisdom, and who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want pleasantness and peace? And he keeps on going in this long list. And by this point, we're saying, I want wisdom. I want all of these things, don't you? But he keeps on going. He keeps on going. In verse 18, he says, She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold her fast are called blessed. That he would call wisdom a tree of life is pretty significant. Because wisdom, the tree of life shows up only two places in the Old Testament. And when, when you're reading scripture and you have these, just a few places where these really significant terms show up, it should, your spider senses should go off. The tree of life shows up in only two places. In Genesis 2 and 3, and then in Proverbs, where it's used figuratively. And in Genesis, it's clear that if somebody eats of the tree of life, they will live forever. So eternal life is with the tree of life. But what is Solomon saying when he's saying wisdom is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her? He's saying that the one who has wisdom doesn't just have long life, like he said in verse 16. The one who has wisdom actually has eternal life. The one who has wisdom actually has eternal life, which is pretty significant. So if you are not already saying that I want wisdom, please tell me how I can get wisdom, you are saying it now. How, how, who doesn't want eternal life? I mean, all the things that we have nowadays to keep us alive for longer is evidence that people like to live. Sane people like to live. I mean, we like the, the goodness that life brings. And so he's saying, with wisdom, there is eternal life. But I'll point out again in verse 18, we have again this parallelism. And notice the verbs that he chooses to use. He says, lay hold and hold her fast. And this is from this verse, and we'll see a little bit later, is why I would say, uh, blessed is the one who, or get and guard wisdom. Because this is where we start to see a little bit of the guarding nature of it. You lay hold of her, but you also hold her fast. You also hold her fast. And I think Solomon's life is instructive here. Because if you're familiar, Solomon got wisdom. And he was considered the wisest man alive. But then as you keep reading his life, something very sad happens. And his heart is actually turned away from the Lord. And it's in this way he actually functionally let go of wisdom. He didn't hold her fast, but he let her go. And so this is why I would say get and guard wisdom. This is why this text would say get and guard her. Guard her because if you do not, you will lose her. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. And those who hold her fast are called blessed. Again, the way that this section began, it ends the same way. Blessed. The good life. You're living the dream. This first section, wisdom, is the wonderful blessing. Let's move now to our second section. Where we see wisdom is the companion of the Lord. Wisdom is the companion of the Lord. Look with me at verses 19 through 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth... By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and clouds dropped down the dew. Wisdom is the companion of the Lord. 
So Solomon is laboring with all his poetic ability to show us that wisdom is a glorious, glorious gift. And he gave us a short list. And then if, if eternal life weren't enough, he says, oh yeah, also wisdom is a companion of the Lord. Wisdom is with God. But what's he saying here? I'll point out first that we have these, the poetic parallels we see again. And here he actually, he puts, instead of two, he puts four right next to each other. And again, he is, he is doing everything he can literally, or literally with his literature to show us that wisdom is a glorious thing. But notice that he says, he, he says uh, as far as the object or, he says, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So by wisdom, he founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open. And then he also, as far as the creation words, I mean, if you're not familiar with Genesis 1, these are all the same words that were used in creation. He's talking about founding the earth, establishing the heavens. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, the Lord created the heavens and the earth. Then he says, by his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down dew. This is all creation language. And Solomon is saying, wisdom was there. Wisdom was there with the Lord, which is a beautiful thing. But let's, if we just dig just a little bit deeper, we see what, what Solomon is trying to accomplish with this. Why would he say this? It seems kind of arbitrary to just, just to kind of take a break from his list and then talk about God and creation. But it's actually really, really significant. And here's the point as we think about why would he say this? That God used wisdom in creation. And here's why. He's actually adding to his list of the beauty of wisdom. He says, this is what he's saying. To encounter wisdom personally. To find wisdom and hold her fast. Is to encounter intimacy with God himself. The creator God. To say it again. To encounter wisdom personally, to find wisdom and lay hold of her, is to encounter intimacy with God, the creator. And at this point, if with all of these lists, if you did not want wisdom by now, you'd want wisdom after he says that. Who doesn't want intimacy with their creator? Intimacy with God himself. So get and guard wisdom and you will be blessed. But now I suppose it would be helpful to ask the question, maybe we could pause and ask the question, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? As we're talking about wisdom, you might be saying, I want wisdom, I want wisdom, but what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Well, we've already kind of seen helpful descriptions as we talk about wisdom. I mean, as I mentioned with the parallelism, he's using multiple terms to describe the same thing or give us, it's like he's, he has a diamond and he's just turning it in the light and letting us see different aspects of wisdom. And let me point out some of those to you uh, that I've already pointed out, so it'll just be a reminder. But in verse 13, he calls it wisdom and also understanding. Verse 19, we see he uses the words wisdom and understanding again. Then verse 20, he says knowledge. And then verse 21, we'll see he uses sound wisdom or the NIV translates that as sound judgment and then discretion. So it's like we're turning this diamond and we're seeing all these different terms for wisdom. 
wisdom, understanding, knowledge, sound judgment, discretion. And then you add to that all of these descriptions, you add to that the reference of creation. So God's work in creation. Here's what wisdom is. Here's how I'm using wisdom. I'm defining wisdom based on what we're reading in this passage. Wisdom is ordering our lives, our thoughts, our words, our deeds in a way that coheres with God's original intent in creation. So wisdom is ordering our lives in a way that coheres with God's original intent in creation. If that's wisdom, where is she found? Again, I said earlier, you're not going to be walking on the side of the road and find wisdom lying on the ground, pick her up, put her in your backpack. No, no, no. Wisdom is found in a much more glorious spot. And I'll turn to Colossians 2, where Paul, a master of the Old Testament, actually answers this question. I'm doing a a summarizing, but Paul answers this question in Colossians 2. Where is wisdom found? If wisdom is ordering our lives in a way that coheres with God's original intent and creation, where do we go to find it? Her. Well, Paul says in Colossians 2, he prays that the Colossians would have their hearts be encouraged, knit together in love, to reach all the richness of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Christ is God's mystery. And then listen what he says. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures and wisdom of knowledge. And also notice the language he uses. He says treasures. Treasures are valuable and precious. But in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So do you want wisdom this morning? Do you want to be the blessed man? Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Look to Jesus. And and as as we look to Jesus and we meditate on his person, his work, and his word, isn't it true that our souls are slowly changed into the same image so that we start ordering our lives according to the way that God originally intended it creation. We start ordering our lives in a way that honors Christ. And this would be a, an incredibly encouraging exercise for you. I love to journal, and looking back on my journals, I can just see how God has changed me over the years. And so I think it would be encouraging for, for any of us to see who have, who have been walking with Christ, to look back on the, our earlier selves and, and to see how God has slowly but surely changed us and walked with us. Aren't we more patient today than we were 10 years ago? Aren't we more satisfied with Christ? Aren't we less angry? Aren't we more generous? Aren't we gentler? All these things that we've grown and we've grown in Christ's likeness as we've walked with Christ. But if you want wisdom, look at Jesus. If you want wisdom, look at Jesus. And I, I'm, I, w- I must ask, have you looked at Jesus? Have you seen him? Maybe you've never even considered what a life lived for Christ would look like. 
Maybe you've never even considered the glory of wisdom, but you've been living life according to the way you intend to live instead of the way God intends us to live. I'd have the same answer for both people, somebody who has never known Christ, somebody who has known Christ for 50 years. Look to Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. We've seen that wisdom in this first section, that wisdom is the wonderful gift. And we've seen in the second section that wisdom is the Lord's companion. Wisdom is the Lord's companion. And in these first two sections, what Solomon has been doing as he's instructing his sons, he's been kind of looking at this person out there, a third person who just says, look at that man, he has wisdom. Be like that man. And then implicit in that is, are you that man or that, are you that woman? But now he's about to address us. He's going to address you and me directly. Look with me then at verses 21 through 26. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Wisdom is a wonderful blessing. Wisdom is the companion of the Lord. And now this third section we see wisdom should be your companion. Wisdom should be your companion. Where Solomon addresses us. He says, get wisdom. You'll notice again though in verse 21, I already alluded to it, the, the parallelism. He says, do not lose sight of, first of all, the verbs. Do not lose sight and keep this again emphasizes the, the, necessary, the necessity to guard these things. I'm the sixth of seven kids, and so this is how I treated my dinner, my, my meal at the table. I had to guard it, keep my eyes on it so it didn't get taken. Or if uh, you you're ever take a child or a grandchild to the park, your eyes are always on them, always on them. You're watching them, making sure they're safe. And so Solomon is saying these same things with, with wisdom. He's saying, do not lose sight of these Keep them. And then again, the objects we see when he says these in verse 21, he's alluding to the verses above them. So wisdom, understanding, and knowledge that, has, that the Lord has. And then the second part of verse 21, he sees sound wisdom or judgment and discretion. So do not lose sight of these. And then he goes on to describe the personal benefits of wisdom. So he's already described the inherent worth of wisdom that wisdom gives you all of these wonderful things. She's valuable. She's precious. Oh yeah, wisdom is a companion of the Lord. And then he goes explicitly to say, what are the benefits of wisdom? What, what does wisdom do for you, so to speak? Well, he says in verse 23, wisdom, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. And I'll pause at each of these and kind of parse out what this means. What he does not say, he does not say, then you will walk on an easy way. Isn't that interesting? No, he says, you will walk securely. And I think in, in your foot will not stumble. And I think that's instructive because we don't need to live long in this life to realize that it's really hard. 
We, in, we experience chronic pain, lying underneath the weight of the curse, financial difficulties. We don't know what tomorrow will be. We have kids and grandkids who don't love the Lord. This life is really, really hard. And we're always longing for Christ to return. But notice that he says, he doesn't say it will be easy, but he does say, you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. It will be hard, but you will not stumble. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, the second personal benefit, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I imagine all of us have had restless nights where you've been kept awake because we're anxious about some conversation we had with a coworker or a family member. We're anxious about what's coming in the future. Maybe it was anxious about spending time with family over Christmas break. Or we're anxious about, again, finances. We're anxious that we have a, we have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. We, we've been kept awake. How many of us don't want sweet sleep? He says that with wisdom, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Don't we want this? Don't we want sweet sleep? Just complete peace and pleasantness as we sleep? Then he says in verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Again, this is a sense of certainty about the future. You have no fear because you're confident in God's ability. This is a sense of certainty. Not anxious uncertainty, but certainty. But why? Why is that the case? Well, do you remember the companion of wisdom? He says in verse 26, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So why can we walk securely? Why can we, sweet, why can we sleep sweetly? And why do we not need to be afraid of what tomorrow brings? Well, because the Lord of all creation is actually there with you. The Lord is with you. What, what a delightful truth. The Lord is with you. He will never fail you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. The Lord of all creation is with you. Can you believe it? It's hard to believe, but it is true. It is true. Solomon has urged us, get and guard wisdom, and you will be blessed he showed us that wisdom is a wonderful blessing. He's shown us that she is valuable, precious. She gives long life, riches, and honor. All her ways are pleasant and peace. And she actually also gives eternal life. He showed us that wisdom is the Lord's companion. And that in getting wisdom, you actually get wisdom, you get intimacy with the Creator God Himself. Because in Jesus are all the hidden treasures of wisdom. And then he showed us the personal benefit of wisdom. And then with all of this, I ask, what are we striving for? You personally, what do you strive for? Why not let wisdom be the chief of all of those things you strive for? It's better than that Super Bowl trophy. It's better than an education it's better than any vain thing that we could, we could pursue on this earth. What are we striving for? Why not let that be wisdom? Why not let that be wisdom? If it's not wisdom, our Lord from Proverbs 3 would urge us to find wisdom. Find wisdom. 
She will not disappoint you. Please pray with me.